Hello, and welcome to the Q&A Quest, episode 154. I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always... Uh, trapped on a desert island, David McBurney, Family Master. And no Gaijin this week. Yes, we he is in the U.S. Which means Somewhere. he's much less accessible. Yes, <laughs> shockingly. Uh, also probably in much more danger. We're all fine. Yes, it's, it's fine. Uh, yeah, but we will not stop. We cannot be stopped. That's we right. cannot be halted. Uh, Wheels is playing East for the benefit of anyone who actually sees the stream. Indeed. So if you hear me suddenly comment on him playing something badly, that's what he's playing. <laughs> and that is bound to happen because I usually play these on hard. You fool. You absolute fool. Yeah, you know. But yeah, so... Uh, but up to much wheels. Uh, that sounds like a very complicated form of no. Yes, yeah, pretty much. Uh, more Mario Paper Jam. How's that going? Uh, well, I'm at a boss where you remember the football guys from Super Mario World. Oh, that's not a good sign. Yes, so I'm at a boss where you have to fight like. Uh, nine of those or so at once and you have to eventually get into the position where you can kill them all with one giant attack or otherwise they eventually summon new guys and uh, just screwing up the timing of dodges and stuff and it's pretty tough yeah I mean yeah. those games occasionally shut their teeth yeah, uh, also playing some East 8, and, uh, killing some giant dinosaurs and such. As you do. That's been going good. And more Kokomo, Choke, uh, Kokomo, Chocobo Mystery Dungeon. <laughs> Kokomo's Mystery Dungeon. I'll take you down. Right down to Kokomo's Mystery Dungeon. Okay, I'll stop. So, yeah, that sounds like it's going well. Yeah, I also ordered Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus. Alpha? Uh, surprisingly not Alpha, just EX Plus. Should have been EX Plus Alpha. It should have been. Uh, just for something new to mess around while stuck at home. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be a running theme for the next probably six to eight weeks. Yes. And we should probably get this. The one question that we feel needs to be answered with some degree of responsibility. Yes. Yes. Yes, uh, I'm sure you're all sick of hearing about all this. So about being sick. Yes. Uh, so we will probably try and talk about it as little as possible. But like we're just gonna get this out in front since yes. someone did ask about uh, it. Unless you want to ask about it, in which case we are honored bound to answer. But yeah, but honestly, you probably don't want to hear our opinions. Yeah. It's not that important. Uh, well, it is important. It's yeah. not important to hear what we have to say yeah. about it. Well, I will, uh, just, I will just say it's gonna be okay, people. Just. Follow instructions and make sure your elderly and uh, vulnerable family um, are extra cautious. But 
Yeah, if you're young and healthy, you don't have to worry about getting the virus. Worry about people who could be seriously affected by the virus getting it. So yeah, I'm go. gonna I'm gonna preface uh, my statement by saying don't uh, take this as anything other than prognostication. Yes. Uh, do not make decisions based off of this information uh, because we're not doctors, virologists, epidemiologists, uh, anything like that. Um, to, to contextualize this, the reason this comes up in this RPG podcast is that Shaman asked, level with me, I was planning to go to PAX West this year, what chance do you give of it actually happening? Uh, a lot of factors at play. Mm-hmm. Um, like, to look at it from the perspective of where things currently are, uh, PAX takes place in like August to September that is a lot of time between here and there Uh, best case scenario on actually getting the virus onto a tail end once it has become an outbreak at this point the best case scenario we've seen is China which essentially shut down large portions of the country for about two months Mm. Uh, our reaction has been much more scattershot and it's going to depend a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worth noting that part of what makes this virus a problem is that we just don't know that much about it. So, like, every week new things are being discovered about how to treat it, how it transmits, how what it can do if it's allowed to run uncontained. All of these things are tremendously in flux. I would say that there's probably pretty good odds that if that it will be at least fairly contained in the US by September, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, and and not only that is it's a it's a big show, so they're gonna have to like decide. They have to make a decision fast. Right. So it's if they're probably going to have to decide way ahead of time whether or not it's going to happen. Like, Because uh, I, I doubt they can, like, postpone it. Yeah, they, they absolutely cannot. The way I would respond to it is to say that they will probably have worked it out by the time they would normally put tickets on sale, right. which is usually in, like, late May. So... Like, by that point, it will probably be clear if any of the U.S.'s current measures to curb the virus's, like, flow will have changed, and the degree of irresponsibility would be to continue the... to have a big cross-country gathering like that. Right. Like, because that's the other thing, is that, like... Like a lot of things, this virus is treatable, but it's dependent on there being space to treat people. Right. So, like, we will reach a point, like, where the virus is no longer out of control, but it's also reliant on people not just running around everywhere at all times. So, you know, it's going to be a long process of things getting back up to speed. There will probably be economic pressures to put the show on regardless. Mm -hmm. uh, Because... Oh boy, but yeah. So basically, it's it's a toss-up. There's not enough information at this point. It's far enough out that it's possible, but given the time that they have to be making decisions, who knows? Yeah, I would say if you if you're in the position where you have to make travel plans now, then I would just assume it's not going to happen. 
Yeah. And I mean, worst comes to worst, it'll almost definitely happen in 2021. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I mean, anyone who does go to PAX in 2021, or maybe even in 2020, we'll see. Uh, so come say hello, I'll be there. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the PSA act responsibly uh, in general try to practice social distancing follow me and wheels' uh, response wheels is having a time of it with the family all at home <laughs> oh, yes. but that is being responsible uh, I learned the joys of attempting to order groceries online today <laughs> have fun with that I was look. I was look, thankfully doing that in preparation because I looked and saw that they would not be willing to deliver anything until Friday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, just you know, act responsibly. Don't wash your dang hands. <laughs> and, and don't do what. Uh, well, Donnie I guess, don't <laughs> I guess that's not going to happen now. But I went to pick up takeout from a restaurant over the weekend and it was packed to the gills it was just like yes, uh, uh, don't do that well they, they're not allowed to in this state anymore yeah. so yeah they're not allowed to in this state either but it was just irritating to see yeah it was just I don't we won't go too far into this it's just yeah. don't don't like assume that other people would be at risk be careful and, even and, if you don't think they should be yes and, it, and depending on where you live, we're not saying you have to stay like inside your house the entire time. Yeah, just the... re- don't go go out as little as possible. Just don't don't be stupid. Yeah, like that's all. Don't hang out with just tons of people. Yes, <laughs> like the current CDC advisement and one that actually is pretty good is don't just don't do groups larger than ten. Yeah, for any reason. Yes, you can, <laughs> you can still go out and pick up your copy of Animal Crossing. It's okay. Quickly, like, just don't wander around stores. Don't, like, practice. The one last bit of science I will say is that there is reason to believe that asymptomatic carriers are capable of transmitting the disease, but not actually very good at it. Mm. (laughs) Because the disease mostly seems to transmit through mucus and effluvia. And a person who currently seems healthy usually isn't transmitting that. Gross. But again, try to avoid being in contact with people if you don't have to. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, you know, I mean, like to the lead I, to to put some sort of context on this. What, like the last time that I went out for anything other than groceries was to go ha- spend an evening with another with a friend who was also isolating, and that was probably fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's that's totally fine. It's just that I also made sure to like immediate to basically be certain of where I was going. Don't brush up next to people while walking past them. The yeah. normal shit. <laughs> so yeah, be well, responsible. Yes, well. I'm- Thankfully, I wouldn't have to do that. I can just get in my car and drive to yeah. their house and not have to directly interact with anyone else. Probably wise. Yes. I won't jo- interact directly with anyone else. Yes. I, I, I guess it's, yeah, not living in a city, it's a bit tougher. 
<laughs> Living in the city, you know you need to survive, as Sonic R always taught, taught us. Or you can escape from the city. Follow me. No, if I leave the city, I'll die. <laughs> like, not, not as a coronavirus thing, just like as a, oh, I, I can't actually drive, so problem. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, with that said, we should quickly start moving into posts that do not involve us giving an untrained PSA. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Budai has come back with vengeance. Woohoo! Uh... And has asked, does E3's cancellation after cer- alters affect certain titles and their need to be in the spotlight, even for a few seconds? Or does E3 water down and hide certain titles? I think E3 is very good for mid-tier titles that, like, get put into those, like, sizzle reels that Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony put out. Where it's just like, here's a game you probably never heard of. It has, like, a weird art style or some sort of eye-grabbing feature and suddenly, like, people talk about it for a bit and know what it is. Yeah. Like that... I uh, don't... Like that, uh, Yoshi's... Yoshi game on Switch that everyone seems to forget exists. Yoshi's Crafted World? That game sold, like, 3 million units. Did it? Okay, uh, good, good. Uh, good, I was worried. Because I never... I never see anyone talk about it and that game is wonderful. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh... But, yeah, no, but I mean even just stuff like, uh, like, there was, like, an, a sort of RPG with, like, a paper aesthetic that was at the Microsoft presentation last year that, like, suddenly people knew what that was that I don't oh. think people would have known. What is that? I don't remember I forget that. what it was, but it had, like, a sort of doodle, a paper and doodle aesthetic. Yeah. I have to look what it was, but it's like one of those things I couldn't have even... If I just saw it as a name on a list, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what it was. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that AAA titles... Like, AAA titles are things that people will schedule entire, like, press presentations around. Like, something like FF7 Remake, or... Avengers or any of those other things that they, or Halo or Gears or Mario or Zelda, any of those things that they marquee a presentation with doesn't actually need the presentation. Mm. Or at least it doesn't need the E3 presentation. Right. They use those to drag people to the E3 presentation so that they can show you the things you don't know if you care about yet. Whereas, like, sort of like as of this recording, we're going to date this specifically. Nintendo's doing an E3 showcase, not an E3, an indie showcase tomorrow. That is the kind of thing that needs presentations to get you to know what it is. Right. Like, otherwise, those things just get lost in the shuffle. Like, it's it's just... Yeah, I, I would argue that those presentations need to continue to happen, whether they're at E3 or not, just by virtue of the fact that otherwise we don't hear about, like, even something like, say, Cuphead. Yeah. Cuphead is a game that people got excited for due to essentially a series of what's that crazy-looking, Fleischer-looking thing that keeps showing up on the Microsoft E3 sizzle reel. <laughs> like, that is where that game became something people knew and cared about. So, I, I would argue that 
you know, there's that this is generally helpful. Like these are things that need to happen. Uh, I, I would like to point out literally Microsoft immediately announced Microsoft was the one who does the in-person E3 thing and they immediately announced, Oh, we'll be doing a digital event at the time we would have around that time. So realistically for us watching E3 hasn't really changed. Yeah. Pretty it much. might not be E3 branded, but it's E3. Um, like the real question is going to be what happens in 2021 like if they can wrangle enough people together to actually do something that resembles the old show or if that's just going to be the death knell. Man, people have been predicting E3 is going to die for at least 16 years at this point. Yeah. So it would be interesting if what finally killed it was a virus. <laughs> but let's see. Um, but yeah, like... I don't think E3 necessarily waters those titles down because have you ever looked at like release lists and there's things that your eyes just glaze over because you've just never heard of them. Yeah. I mean, like I do that constantly because like every month I'll look at like, what do I care about that's coming out? It's like, here's what is that? What is that? that? Okay. Well, I don't care. There's no screenshots accompanying it and I don't care to Google it specifically. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, I, I think that the continuing like Nintendo indie events, digital events uh, state of play if Sony ever gets its act together on making those actually good like I think all of those are important uh, to make sure that at least some of those indie games have a chance to pass into the public consciousness outside of whatever word of mouth and Steam algorithm helps them now <laughs> see uh, moving on to another one that is near and dear to us at this moment are you surprised that Trials of Mana has a 14 day release window after FF7 mm-hmm. no yeah. I like Square probably wrongly or rightly considers them to not actually overlap that much but it's not so much that they don't overlap an audience so much as the audience who is going to pick up Trials of Mana is either going to pick it up in addition to FF7 or was not going to pick up FF7 either yeah and was only just there for Mana yeah Uh, Final Fantasy 7 has a huge audience whereas Trials of Mana probably does not I could see Trials of Mana. Trials of Mana feels like a game that would be considered a wild expectations beater if it manages to sell a million copies across both platforms yeah. in a year. Like, which is not a reflection on its quality so much as an understanding of what kind of title it is. Uh, would I have bumped it out? Eh, probably, maybe a month. But I mean, at that point, like. The issue then becomes you have to assign those developers to do something. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it is cheaper to have them doing post-launch bug fixes than having them do pre-launch bug fixes because uh, then you're not paying the QA team to find those bugs. Yeah. And also, <laughs> Trials of Mana is on Switch and yeah, which, PC, which Final Fantasy VII is not. So it's also reaching different audiences for sure. It's also worth noting that originally they were going to be more like six to eight weeks apart. Yeah. 
Like, FF7 Remake was to come out on March 3rd, and this was to come out in, like, April. So, if it's out on, like, April 20th, that's, like, six weeks apart. So, I can see where that scheduling probably made a little more sense to them. Yeah. Uh... See. Do you suspect Elden Ring will end up being a 2021 title at this rate? <sighs> Pretty even odds. Like, it got announced. We don't know anything about how far along it is. <laughs> Every th- most everything we know about it, we know about it because someone leaked about it. Uh, like... There's a lot of information that we quote-unquote know about it if you've been reading about leaks about it that happened before it came out. Uh, So, you know, uh, but at the same time, like, From Software typically doesn't talk a lot about a game that isn't coming out in six months. So... I mean, there's a pretty decent chance that it's, uh, that it gets a blowout at E3 and then comes out in, like, November. <laughs> Quote-unquote blowout at E3. It shows up at, like, Microsoft's uh, digital event and then comes out in November. Yeah. So. Uh, that, that would be my assumption. It's, like, it's, it's pretty even odds given the uh, behaviors of how Promsoft and Namco Bandai have traded prior collaborations. Do you have opinions? <laughs> Not really. I keep okay. forgetting what Elden Ring even is. <laughs> it is the next uh, Souls-ish game. The oh, le- right, that one. It's the one with George R. R. Martin's involvement. Uh, the leaked uh, info seems to indicate a true open-world game where you have like kind of that hub and spoke structure but like you go out to kingdoms uh, essentially kill their monarchs and take some sort of ability from having done so fun so, it would be it'll be interesting uh, and we'll we'll hit one that has been a constant source of debate since the announcement that FF7 remake would not be the entire FF7 game <laughs> Do you think FF7 titles will be like the FF13 titles, all a separate game, or some of the game itself as DLC for each part? Yes. I think there will be DLC. I don't think it will be plot significant. I don't think it will move the story forward in any real fashion. No, I think they want to sell you um, three to four games. Yeah. uh, I would probably bet on between three and five games. Yeah. Uh, But... Like, as it, like they might do DLC. Uh, I could see something like the Gold Saucer ending up, not the plot point of the Golden of the Gold Saucer, but like more mini games for the Gold Saucer and such, like that sort of thing, as DLC. But like, there's a problem. There's a lot of problems with how DLC gets implemented because like, and this is why season passes tend to be so common, is that DLC is a really bad like scale economics problem like the smaller the scale of what you're producing the the more that you're just like throwing a bunch of workers at something that 
essentially they can't parallelize in any real fashion there's no like separate levels of production there's nothing that can sort of defray cost in terms of how it's produced which is why so many DLC tend to be part to involve repurposed assets and like tend to be very short despite you know taking seemingly a fair amount of time it's like at, at some point it's like well we could do three months to do a DLC or six months or like let's look at a recent example Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind uh, which has a lot of interesting bosses to fight and a lot of new voiced dialogue and is relatively expensive I think it's like $25-30 yeah it's up there and it's like two hours and uh, uses largely repurposed assets that's ridiculous that's the nature of DLC yeah. Like, even just getting all of those voice actors to come back, even though it's not the full cast, but just the the voice actors they had to come call back were like that's an expense. Like making all of these new bosses, that's an expense. Like all of that ends up being like weird, it's weirdly expensive. And like you start to see like, well, you make a big game because the scale works out better for you if you can like parallelize certain parts of production and just do a lot of stuff at once. So, I don't think that there's any portion of FF7 as it existed before that easily slots into DLC. I guess we'll see. But, like, I mean, even... So the game ends at the FF7 uh, at the point where the game leaves Midgar. We don't know what that means in terms of perhaps some plot points got folded this game that might have previously taken place outside of Midgar. Like, we don't know, so like, theoretically if we were assuming that they were following the exact same blueprint before, as before, we would have a, the next game would start with Calm and then immediately drop into a huge flashback about Cloud and Tifa's backstory. Mm. And that you can't make that DLC. It just doesn't make any sense. It's it's too important to risk that a player might not have seen it. Right. There's yeah. So so you just run into like, is that even? There's also the question of like, how has the game been restructured? Is that even there anymore? But like, yeah, I don't think that there will be anything plot important released as DLC. Agreed. Maybe some bonus bosses. That would be my biggest bet. Or extra summons like they're doing already for pre-order bonuses. Extra summons, bonus bosses, uh, maybe some side quests if they get ambitious. But I don't think you will see like... uh, I I don't think you will see like any sort of weird uh, structural experimentation where certain parts of the game get sold off piecemeal and then you can like sort of jump into yeah it, it's I don't think it can work yeah um let's hit another one uh thank you again for all these questions Budai yes. uh what RPG could have been a cool Telltale series any known IPs that you think could have been good Telltale games uh I swear there were some that Telltale announced and then just never happened <laughs> 
uh, in terms of like the the type of game, I think there's a lot of interesting spin-offs to be made from the Telltale formula of like a smaller scale story in something's larger world. But, yeah, no worries. Things uh, like Tales of Borderlands taking taking a game with that much story that has an interesting setting and put a good story in it. Yeah. Uh, but like, I mean, my brain's on FF7 right now, and you could make a really interesting Telltale game starring the Turks. Yeah. Like that would be kind of a neat That'd idea. Be fun. Uh, like there's like Telltale's formula is very good at presenting story, which means that a lot of, but is also very poor at pre- representing large scale stories. So it lends itself to these sorts of background story concepts. So, but they could do something interesting with Dragon Quest. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, like, Dragon Quest has always had, like, those character-specific spinoffs that usually end up being mystery dungeons, but can be other things. Yeah. In conclusion, uh, Yangus, a Telltale game. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, but, yeah, those, those are some of the ones I would think of. Uh Probably at least one Tales of spinoff would be interesting to see uh, what happens when they just go full on in that. Uh, You know what would be an interesting one? Do like an Octopath Traveler spinoff where you do do like a Telltale game but completely in that like 16-bit sprite style that that game uses. That'd be cool. Uh, What's the other thing I was thinking of? Oh yeah, uh, something on one of the alien planets in Mass Effect. Uh, Fire Emblem. Hmm. Tales from Garag Mog. Yeah. That could be pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, in in general, I I like the idea of using that style to tell background stories. Yeah. Uh. As for maybe non-RPG IPs, then we get into something like murkier. I want to see something really stupid, like Sonic a Telltale game. See what that turns into. Yeah. <laughs> Shadow will remember that. <sighs> Sonic Chronicles 2, Tales of Sonic. Oh, no. <laughs> can, it be, can it be better than that? Uh, man, now my brain is just digging through like bad IP that got video games. Something and like amazing trash te- crash test dummies of Telltale game. Uh, Waluigi, a Telltale game. I don't telling, know what that telling is. the shocking origin of Waluigi. I don't want to know what that is. <laughs> like my my personal canon for Waluigi has always been that he just happened because. Wario put out like a Craigslist post looking for someone that could vaguely look like an evil Luigi. 
there you go. That's your, that's the story to your game. There's there's not a story there. It's just like <laughs> some guy puts out like a Craigslist post or like a want uh, like wanted that's just like wanted a tennis doubles partner who will dress who looks vaguely like and will dress like an evil version of my rival's dumb brother. <laughs> so evil you know. person must like purple. Must like purple. Other business offers negotiable. Must enjoy getting angry at sports and board games. Charles Martinet did a lot to try to... I like that Charles Martinet has like a personal opinion on what Waluigi's personality is. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I believe the description that he gave was that, like, Waluigi is the person who, like, assumes that the entire world is being unfair to him personally. <laughs> so anything he does is basically justified. Oh, my God. So that's, uh... That's uh, the Waluigi canon that we all need to adhere to. <sighs> yeah. Those are, those are our pitches. Uh, please don't actually call us, uh... Telltale, bad idea. Uh, let's see. And for one last Budai question. What are some great RPGs that are on the shorter side, and what is the shortest great RPG? Uh, Chrono Trigger. Undertale, as well. Oh, fair, fair. Uh, but yeah. Undertale is like six hours long, tops. Yeah. Uh, Chrono Trigger, if you do everything, will maybe last you 15. Yep. Uh, RPGs sort of became conflated with being very, very long games on the PS1. Like in that era where it's like we have a ton of CD space but our art assets are still pretty small and making extra CDs is not an, is no object. So have you considered being 8 million years long? <laughs> Whereas like Prior to that, like, they were long compared to, like, a straight run-through of an action game. But also, you were going to spend at least ten hours learning every action game that you were playing on the NES or whatever, so... You kind of, like, it kind of came out in the wash, but, like, go back and play something like FF4. That game is ten hours long. <laughs> like, it's the PS1 era that really defines the RPG as these massive experiences. And, like, even some of the famous ones on the PS1 are not actually that long. Original FF7 is, like, 25, 30 hours long. Which is, you know, a decent chunk of time, no no doubt. But, I mean, it's not a... It's not Dragon Quest VII, we'll put it that way. That is a game that is two discs and has almost no FMV in it. <laughs> And that is terrifying. Yes. That is the game that I have been slowly but inevitably working my way through for a long time. Well, aren't you a trooper? Yes. When are you going to play Eleven? Uh, I've started working through the demo. There's so many qualifiers there. I'm like so four many. hours in or so. So you're maybe halfway through the demo. Yeah. But it's starting to pick up, so I'm getting interested. So that's probably going to start 11. pick up soon. But yeah, I'm trying to beat 
East 8. So. Oh, speaking of games of fairly short RPGs, Breath of Fire yes. Dragon Quarter. Yes. Also, most East games. Yeah, yeah. East most. games cannot... Like, it's 7, I think, might be the longest. Maybe 8. 7, seven uh, I would say, is not super, super long, but it's on the longer side for an East game. Yeah. 8 is pretty long. They're uh, both in, like, the 20-hour range, I think. Uh... I think I'm already at 20 hours and 8, and I'm nowhere near the end by the looks huh. of it. Okay, but, so 8 is a big trend breaker there. Yeah. Whereas compare East 1, which is 3 hours long. Yes. But like Oath and Felgana, East 6, those are on the shorter side. Those are like 8 hours. Yeah. Like, I, one of my favorite things is to remark, there's a reason that they don't sell East 1 by itself. It is very short, and half of it is the final dungeon. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Still great though. Uh, but let's see. East. Uh, uh, I should play for Dragon Quarter though. But it doesn't like I always have issues configuring it on perfectly legal PS2 that lives inside my PC. Um, <laughs> so. Maybe one day I'll get that working. Every time I start it up, it's like, oh, I can tell something's very wrong with this title screen. Oof. Not recommended. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, most most things prior to the PS1 probably kind of fit this. Uh, sometimes, to their severe detriment, uh, Star Ocean 1 runs out of space essentially at like the 12 to 15 hour mark and just sort of dumps you in the final dungeon first departure makes some changes to make that slightly less abrupt but not a lot uh let's see special demerit to trick and tales of Fantasia for feeling like it's 800 years long when it's only like 20 hours yeah, I'm still angry about Tales of Fantasia. De- demerit to Tales of the Abyss, which I love, but it's about 10 to 20 hours too long. Yeah, that that became like... This is where that idea came from, that like, oh, all these RPGs are like a million hours long. It's like those PS1 and PS2 era games that were like really banking on, like, this game is forever long. It's like Symphonia, it's the first Tales game, that like legitimately it's just like, what no, you could cut out a couple layers of twist and just reach a status, like glue the conclusion to a slightly earlier breakpoint, and it would probably work just fine and probably be better for it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like. most people don't seem to share our opinion on Tales of Fantasia that's that's one of those ones where like a lot of people love it and I'll just just never understand and that's okay yeah it's okay but uh let's see short ones short ones short ones oh Eric would like to step in if that's okay sure I just add that I'll Skype, why are you... Why do you move at the speed, Skype? Why do you make these choices? 
but yeah. Kind of like reaches the end of like the short RPGs. Oh, early Dragon Quest, like Dragon Quest three and four. Yeah, <laughs> even the remake of four is on the shorter side. Especially if you don't play that bonus chapter, it's not very good. Yes. Uh, five also not a long game. Six is a fair bit longer, but also less interesting. <laughs> hey, Eric. Hi. Hey. There's something to stop in for a bit. That's sure. cool. That's cool. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Royal. Oh four, yeah. Five Royal. I mean the review embargo lifts tomorrow, and it's already tomorrow. But like, not until like, like I think nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that sounds about right. But uh, by the time this goes out, it won't matter anyway. So yeah, hold on, hold that thought. <laughs> yeah, no, we are absolutely uh, live right. streaming. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn the stream off. Yeah. All right, live stream is off. Continue. Um, I didn't know it was still on. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. checked the RP Gamer, it wasn't live. When no, I live on yeah, my channel. Yeah, it was channel. on Wheels's channel. Oh. But we're good. We're good. Yeah, we're good now. Um, anyways, uh, I got to say, I'm I'm about a little over halfway because I got through the pyramid section. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, they didn't really change the boss fight that much. All they did was they made it less frustrating because the boss still has lots of health that you have to go through. And it takes a ridiculous amount of time for you to be able to use the Vlista again. I don't remember that boss being a problem, but I remember hearing of people having problems with it, so I can understand. Yeah, it's the first skills check of the game, because it hits like a truck. (laughs) And it causes many of your characters to get dizzy, unless you have good dizzy protection. Which, if you have uh, Morgana in your party, they could just use Maypatra, but then you have to have somebody dedicated to healing, and then what I did was I debuffed it so it didn't hurt as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like once you use the blizzard for the first time its attacks basically consist of a wing smash and a smash attack and it doesn't do this diving thing like it did in the beginning of the fight because oh, that's, yeah. that's more of a scripted event in this version of the game that's probably for the best because that's how most people sort of reacted to it as far as I can tell but uh, instead like physical attack like really hurt it after you hit it with the ballista which was the true in the original but I think it also the original also let you use magic at an increased damage rate I was going to say do you have a strong opinions thus far about whether Royal's an improvement or not? I think it's an improvement because like um, just as far as I've gotten but uh there are new confidants, and I've been following a guy that was written for the old one, and I've had time to squeeze in um, developing those. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll probably do that towards the end. But um, I'm probably also unlikely to do everything in a first playthrough. But um, there are things you can do, like you can improve your social stats, um, like after, like the few of them after you go through like Mementos or one of the dungeons and said in the original game like you weren't able to do anything mm-hmm. and you had to go straight to bed which was stupid so yeah, they... you, you, you could do things like read a book or 
make crafts or make coffee or something like that. That's a wise choice. Like, there was a lot of times where it was just, like, go to bed simulator 2017 at the time. Uh, and um, the game also has a few new areas in the shops that you can take advantage of to get extra money, like... Like all the all the random loot that you have to um, take, put it in the washing machine to find out what it is. Yeah. Um, you can instead, since you get a lot of those in the game, you can instead yeah. get them to the secondhand store and sell them there. And you know, mm. and there's like a weird point reward system, and then you can get a random loot box of oh, armor. You're not paying for it. Which then you could then sell if you don't like any of them. So it is Japan. Uh, I was going to say, you played the original, correct? Yeah. Do you have uh, any opinion on what appears to be a revised translation? Yeah, I got to that scene, and I'm pleased with the changes. Yeah, what I've seen... Like, the one scene that I've seen that compared directly across seemed like it had, like, a good grasp of character voice. Yeah. But I'm yeah. not sure if you've noticed any other, like, changed scenes. Yeah, there's one. also improved localization across the board, too, and there's going to be even further improvements, because, like, I think there was a copy-paste error when you summon a persona. It kept saying knees, and it's talking, like, one of the personas or demons that, like, have bad English. Mm. It's like me insert persona name here, <laughs> but then it talks normally. Yeah, yeah. There were a few places that, where it would be like it seems like they're mixing demon personalities, basically. So yeah, there'll be day one patch for that. So that's, but I think the translation otherwise is better. Yeah, I, I have a lot of faith in it because it seems to be being produced by one of the yakuza producers. So, but um. Like one thing I wish they could have done mm-hmm. that they didn't do is uh, give you the ability to see like how many points you need to improve a stat. It's yeah, still a big mystery. Nice. I'm curious if they've rejiggered it at all because it was like once you get to those last couple points you get mm-hmm. into some really uh, and there's like still it, no you start way wondering to, like, if it's doing anything. There's still no way to like recover your health in a dungeon other than using your skills. So there's like I really like that Fox in the fourth game. And there's nothing like that here. Yeah, I think that's you know, that's just a choice they made about how they wanted to pace the game for good and ill. So the only tip I can give people is to save up money to buy those SP adhesive threes and just make good use of your SP management. Yeah, that would be my recommendation to any new player. Is like, to, if you're running low on MP and you get into a fight with a weak mob and then just defend and let your SP regen. Yeah, like, my advice to any new player is to be real stingy early on in the game, and then once Ty starts selling uh, SP adhesive 3s, just buy as many of those as possible. Start with the main character, since they're the most versatile. Also, the but, best way to get money in the game is to, if a boss is weak to it, um, have them be confused, because they will just drop money everywhere. Yeah, that's one of the weirdest things, because like normally an enemy can run away, but and also Otherwise, how much... 
Otherwise, yeah. get a persona that you have in your party, and then fight the same demon somewhere, and then shake him down for money with the skill yeah. that you learn from the sun. Yeah. Neither until, of these he, until he gets mad at you, and then you have to kill him. Yeah. Neither oh, of these. Yeah, is... That's another thing they did that was good because, like, you can get into a demon conversation. Get as much money as you think you can get out of it before it fights you, and then just do an all-out attack on it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh... Yeah, like, none of the money schemes is strictly necessary, but they can be helpful if you know them. But, yeah. So there's, a, there's also another feature in the game where you can, um... Where you'll have these, uh, I guess... It's this game's way of telling you you've probably been killing too many things and not fusing enough. <laughs> so get back over here and fuse something. <laughs> because they'll, they'll, they're called fusion alarms. And, like, oh. it basically... Instead of accidents being pure accidents, like, it will guarantee an accident. After you've done it once. But, like, if you fuse something for the first time when that happens, uh, they'll have boosted stats. Hmm. And some of their skills will get changed if you want them to, but you're usually you bad. have choices on mutation. But uh, yeah, that's always like one of those issues that like the persona like setup ends up having is that like it's really dangerous. Like there, it reaches a point where all of your current personas are pretty good, mm-hmm. but it would be really dangerous to just keep using them. Mm-hmm. Because you need to keep progressing up that ladder. So, interesting to hear that they've done something to try to encourage Also, you. during fusion alarms, if you, like, do an itemized fusion, the item will be powered up. Hmm. Interesting. I'm guessing the same goes for, like, um, bu- buffing a Persona's stats by fusing in Persona. But, um... That's really all I have to say. So it's a, but I do have to say one more thing before I go. Like, I think there's more proof that this game is being ported to the Switch. Oh, do tell. Because uh, the game has its own built-in achievement system. That's that is very much thieves, that's tied to the Thieves Den like thing, which you can use to buy stuff. But like, there are achievements there. That is very much not something I would assume for a PS4 game. Yes, that's weird. <laughs> uh, well, maybe... So the current news is that Nintendo's doing a proper... Uh, is doing an Indie Direct tomorrow, and the same people that said that there would be an Indie Direct this week said there would be a normal Direct next week, so maybe we'll have some good news. Hopefully. But, like, that in addition to the fact that Catherine's coming to the Switch... Yeah... Which and is probably what we And the fact that Royal sold bad in Japan. Yeah, like, there was a very specific, like, this game did not sell the way we had hoped, and then a bunch of analysts were like, you shouldn't have made it PS4 exclusive. <laughs> Might uh, change things. But, um, so yeah, if, if I play that game again... I'm not oh, going to ask for a review code because I'm just going to. Oh buy yeah, it. that obligates you to play it in insane mode. Uh, and yeah, it's such a very long game. I love it, but it's very long. Yeah. But in other news, La Mulana Day is today. Oh, I forgot that was coming out finally. 
I just hope that uh, with the lockdowns, I can actually get inside of GameStop <laughs> that I ordered from. Hopefully. I'm kind of just going to pick up Animal Crossing and get it from a digital store. Energy, the energy of downloads will not kill me. So if it does come to the point where you can't go to the store, they'll probably mail it to you. I would hope so. But I haven't gotten any phone calls yet. But uh, they don't call you anymore, really. Yeah, they don't. Unless you like haven't picked it up within a day or something. Then it's like, this is a threat. We will soon be selling your copy to whatever Joe Schmo wanders in off the street. But, um... That's all. I need to get to bed, really. Okay. Have a good night. Good night, sir. Bye. And so we run ourselves out of discussion once more. Yes. So we close out. It's what I've been playing, and it's just Super Robot Wars. You don't want to hear more about that. Robot. I turned Noriko and the Gunbuster into an unbridled engine of destruction that just wanders into enemy paths where enemies cannot kill her, oftentimes cannot even hit her, nice. and die in one hit. <laughs> it's amazing. So, like, I got her an ability that allows her to, if an enemy tries to attack, she gets to counterattack before they get to attack. <laughs> And for most enemies, that's near enough to making her invincible. Like, I, I want to bring up this sense this sense of scale for a second. Uh, so, because it just it emphasizes how silly it can get when Super Robot Wars enemies choose to attack each other. Uh, so the Gunbuster, as I've ranted about before, is about. I think canonically between 200 and 300 meters tall. Uh, and let's see if I can get a size on Gundams that are not models. Uh, Okay, let's go with the original Gundam, which for some reason is called the RX-78-2 Gundam. Uh, it is 18 meters tall. So, if we were to, uh, to rationalize out that most Gundam robots are about that size, maybe a little taller, maybe a little smaller, depends on the time and the show and a whole mess of other things. And the Gunbuster is somewhere between 200 and 300 meters tall. Imagine making that choice. <laughs> it would be like if you walked up to a building and were like, "I'm going to, th t I'm going to destroy this building," and your response and your idea of how to do that was to shoot it with a pistol. And that's what happens every time that one of the Neo Zeon enemies in uh, Super Robot Wars T is like, yeah, I want a piece of that action. <laughs> and then uh, Gunbuster hits them with an energy ball and a baseball bat. So yeah. uh, Super Robot Wars T is good, and it's precisely for me and probably other people, definitely other people, but... A small audience. And it's also available in English. 
Yeah, and with a very nice transition. Mm. Like, uh, ever since V, the translations have been very good. Moondwellers' translation is not very good. <laughs> but that's, that's where we are. That's how we are now. Is that the first one they released in English in Asia? That's the first one, uh, yeah, in Asia. Not counting, like, the ones Atlas localized back in back on GBA. But, yeah. Moondwellers was not a great localization, and then they actually decided to put people who were good at... who were going to be funded well and spoke both and, you know, were good at localization in charge, and they've all had very nice localizations ever since. Hopefully the next uh, original generation game has a good translation. <laughs> I beg of you. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's our podcast this week. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's always good to talk to you guys, and barring either of our sudden inevitable betrayals and deaths... <laughs> Again, playing a lot of super, uh, playing a lot of Robot Wars. Uh, although I think I've stopped everyone who's betrayed me from dying. So my last breath, I cursed Zoidberg. No, I'm still stuck on the other Futurama thing I've been thinking of, which is both the I assure you, our people tell the same story, and go, man, go. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, you can, you know, send us questions in the usual places. The yep. comments section or the Discord are the usual places for those un- not in the know. Uh, please don't ask us for coronavirus advice. We are not a good source. No. Uh, but uh, otherwise, if you want to have us debate what video game characters would be most susceptible, also don't do that. Uh Man, I've, I've actually seen a YouTube video that was about susceptibility to coronavirus among video game characters, and I was just like, no, don't. No, stop. Uh, so yeah, actually, don't ask us about infectious diseases at this stage. We're, yeah. we're, we should not be a news source, nor, an, nor should that be an entertainment source. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, but otherwise, open to all questions, and really, if you insist on asking, we will answer, but we might get grumpy about it. Uh but yeah um otherwise everyone keep safe uh and we will see you safe cowboy see ya